we are in the middle of this Advent season, and, you know, as we do the Advent countdown, the different candles, as we've talked about, represent different things that the Advent of the Christ child brings. Uh, so, you know, there was hope, and then uh, peace, and today, joy. And as we talked about last week, that, you know, the Christ child brings a peace bigger than we can find in our circumstances and in ourselves. And really today, as we talk about joy, it's the, the same thing can be said, right? So really, last week's message, I'm just taking it and, you know, taking peace and replacing it with the word joy, but it's going to be the exact same message. I'm just kidding. There's a different scripture and, and all of that. Um, but really, that concept that the world has a a small kind of peace, a small kind of hope, a small joy that it offers, but God offers so much more, so much more, uh, something so much more transcendent. It touches the eternal. But today, joy. What is joy? I think as a society, we often get joy um, mixed up with pleasure. But those are two different things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What's the difference between joy and pleasure? It's important because Christmas offers joy, right? That's we're lighting the, the joy candle. But sometimes we can't get past pleasure to arrive at joy. But sometimes that's exactly what we need. We need to push past pleasure because God has joy in store and those two things don't necessarily go together. Sometimes they do, but sometimes you have to push past that. And in, in fact, many people don't actually understand the connection between the Christ child and joy. That the birth of Jesus, it's a tradition, it's an old story, but... Many folks don't see how it's relevant to their daily life. And because of that, that story of Christmas doesn't bring great joy because one of the things we'll talk about today is that one of the differences between pleasure and joy is that joy involves meaning. And if you don't see the deep meaning in the Christ child, you're not going to find the deep joy there. But there is that connection between joy and meaning. Pleasure is more of a feeling, but joy is has to do with meaning. But those who heard the story at first, those shepherds, those angels, they claimed that great joy was found in this event. And so the McSpadden's already read the scripture, but I want to focus on a little bit smaller chunk. Start with verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, you know, every Christmas I got to point it out that, you know, maybe on your Christmas tree, you've got little cherub angels, little baby angels, so cute. Well, in the Bible, when people see angels, they are terrified, right? It's not a cute little baby. It's more like an F-35 fighter jet just showing up in front of you. And that's why whenever an angel shows up, they always say, do not fear because you're scared. And the, and the shepherds, they were filled with great fear, but the angels say, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy 
which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. And then the angels say this in verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And that's probably when the shepherd had that their, their fear was mixed with, say what? Wait, the, the Savior, the promised king we're waiting for, he's, we're going to find him in a feed trough? Didn't expect that, right? And so then uh, it goes on to say, uh, and but suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Again, there's peace involved. There's a great joy, but then there's peace. But that was last week. So let's move on. Let's go, so that the, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, I think when Mary heard this and she saw how things were connected, she saw this deep meaning, that pondering in her heart, there was that deep sense of joy. I mean, there was already a sense of joy that she had a baby, but now there is that sense of joy. And then the shepherds also, they have that sense of joy because in verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So these angels, they bring good news of great joy. And when the shepherds see it all for themselves, what do they do? They go rejoicing and praising God. Because a part of this joy was that they had been waiting for this Christ, this Savior, for some time. The prophets, for centuries earlier, uh, in the Old Testament, they had told the people of Israel, one day God's going to intervene in human history, and he's going to restore that broken relationship between God and humanity. And so when the angels say, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, um, that was good news of great joy because they had been waiting so long for this moment. They'd been waiting so long for the advent of this Savior. And it was meaningful on a large scale. It was bigger than any one person, right? It was for all the people. So we're talking worldwide scale and eternal impact. And so if meaning is attached to joy, you can't get much more meaningful than worldwide and eternal. But that's what the news was. And so why? Why the disconnect today? When many people watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special when it's on, I know sometimes it's not on now, but you can always find, everything's always on cable some, somewhere, right? Well, do you know on that Charlie Brown Christmas special, they read this passage that we read. I don't know if you remember that. Now, when I was a little kid, I actually, that didn't resonate with me. I mean, I was like, yeah, I've heard that story a lot. You know, I want to see uh, what Lucy does to, you know, the other peanuts and, and messes with them. It didn't resonate with me, and I don't think it resonates. That deep joy doesn't register with many people. And I think one of the reasons why is that we often don't see ourselves included in that a Savior has been born for you. 
See, we often don't think we need a savior. We don't think we need to be reconciled to God. We think that we're kind of okay. But the biblical witness is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That when you talk about the perfect, holy God, that our relationship with him has been fractured by our sin. That we need to be reconciled. We need to be saved, renewed. Any of those Christian terms that you want to use, they don't register with us. Whereas the shepherds, they receive the news and they realize, wait, our brokenness, the fracture between God and his people, it's about to be restored. God is saving us. And it brings them great joy. Because they see, wow, we really need help. We really need salvation. And that's why they're full of joy. It's kind of like, I think an example would be, you know, this worldwide problem of sin, right? It's a worldwide infection. Everyone is infected with sin. It causes us to not be able to connect with God. It causes us to reject God. But Christ comes and saves us from that. It's similar when, you know, when this pandemic is over, right, whenever we have vaccines and all of that stuff, when this pandemic is over, it's not just going to be a happy occasion for us in this room, right, in South Hadley. No, the problem's much bigger, right? COVID-19 is not just in South Hadley and Holyoke and places, Pioneer Valley. No, it's worldwide. And so when the pandemic is over, it's going to be great joy for all sorts of people, right? In India and in Africa, in America, because the problem is worldwide. So their joy is going to be worldwide, kind of like when World War II was over. That wasn't just nice and, and kind of happy for a couple of people. It was a worldwide kind of joy. So too, this news, this advent of Jesus it's for all the people. And isn't that what the angel said? I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Again, it's not, yeah, it's great for you shepherds, but realize it's so much bigger that even if the shepherds hadn't heard it, it would still be good news of great joy for all the people. Even if you didn't hear it and I didn't hear it, it's still good news of great joy for all the people because it has eternal and worldwide significance. And again, that difference between pleasure and joy is important to understand because pleasure is feeling-based, whereas joy is meaning-based. Just as an example of, a, of the difference. Um, so my daughter, Abby, she is just finished her last uh, class, and so she's graduating, getting her bachelor's in um, linguistics and Spanish. So she's done at UMass. It's very happy. Um, a, a lot less outflow of our income on that but it's also an accomplishment and proud of her. But four years ago or four and a half years ago when she graduated from high school, we, Wendy and I were like, all right, um, you know, kind of broaden your horizons and see it as a graduation gift. We'll, we'll take you on a trip. We'll go somewhere, right? And I was really happy she picked to go to Russia. Okay, I've got a picture, right? There's Abby and I at uh, St. Basil's Cathedral, Naploshed. Right, on the red square. And um, the difference, okay, I want to, so the difference between pleasure and joy, all right? 
Now, going to Russia, there, there was pleasure there, right? It was neat to see all of the sights. Uh, Lenin's tomb was really weird and cool. I mean, that guy's been dead for over 100 years, but he looks like he just died. I mean, and it's weird. You can't take pictures, though. It's really weird. But so, like, that's pleasure. Like, wow, this is neat to see this. All right, that's feeling place. That's pleasure. Now, happiness is somewhere in between joy, I think, and pleasure in that I was happy to be able to spend time with my daughter. Why? Because of relationship. See, that's the other thing is that there's meaning and joy. Come, joy comes from meaning, and meaning is, yes, big, eternal, beyond yourself, but it also usually involves relationship. And so I was happy to be able to spend some quality time with my daughter. But none of that compared to the joy of when she was born. You see, there, there was joy there because now this new life is, is in relationship with us. And it's life-changing, right? The, the sign outside says a baby changes everything. Right? Well, that's literally true. It's also true of Christmas. But there's joy there, again, because there's more meaning. There's a building of relationships. So, so that's just an example of the difference between, yeah, pleasure happiness and joy joy is that thing which has more meaning and packs more relationships and if the christmas story is true it is full of profound meaning in both that life-changing element that large worldwide element but also in the relationship element because in this child what is what is god doing he is reconciling the relationship between God and humanity. The most important relationship in all the universe is our relationship with God. So that's why the meaning and the joy is, is taken up a notch even more. And that's joy. It, it transcends individual relationships. This child is meant to renew all of creation. And again, notice a pattern here that the kind of hope, the kind of peace the world can offer, it's fleeting. But the kind of joy and peace that is found in God is greater because God's the creator. He's created all things. And you think about it, a world without God and many in our society live as though God doesn't exist. A world without God, it collapses. Pleasure, happiness, and joy. Why? Well, because there really is no greater meaning. I mean, you think about that. If there is no God, then my relationship with my daughter, it's really no more significant than the squirrels that live in my garage and their babies. Right? I mean, really, like, if there is no God, then who is to say that that life, that my life is any more significant than that squirrel? There is nothing. And that's why in our society there is a collapsing of joy and pleasure. We don't know the difference. So oftentimes we'll settle for, for pleasure thinking that it's somehow the same thing as joy, but it is not. Because true joy is only found in a deep meaning beyond ourselves. But if there is no God, then the only thing we can, we can hope for 
is maybe some pleasure and it's the same as joy because basically it's all just little synapses in our mind firing some, some happiness, pleasure things, but it's really no different, happiness and joy. But God, he exists, he transcends, and he wants to restore his relationship with us, and he's done that through the Christ child, and he's calling us to joy. He is calling us to joy. Do not settle for pleasure this Christmas. Press on to joy. And here's the thing, that the joy that God gives is greater than even death. The joy that God gives transcends death and pain. I mean, that should blow your mind because, uh, and think about it, normally if we think about joy, we think, all right, if there's pain or death involved, then there can be no joy there. But no, God's joy, the joy that Christ brings transcends death. It's stronger than death. Uh, an example, um, that joy can be in the midst of sorrow or pain. J Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 16, and he's prepping them. He's about to die. He's about to give his life. And he's telling them about their impending death. And so, of course, they're filled with sorrow. But Jesus says, no, as I go through this sorrow, on the other side, there'll be joy. And in fact, I can't get to that deep joy unless I go through this sorrow. And Jesus illustrates that with childbirth, the pain of childbirth. Well, no one likes that, but you go through it, and on the other side of the pain is joy. So John 16, 20 through 24, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Two things Jesus is pointing out. All that joy comes from relationship. We've talked about that. And this last part, he's saying, hey, you know, you ask anything of my father. I've restored. I'm restoring your relationship so that you can ask anything in my name to my father. And you'll be connected to him. That relationship will be restored. Now, we've already talked about that relationship. Joy comes from relationship and especially our relationship with God. But then he also talks about, wait, joy can even come through self-sacrifice, through pain and death. That, that's, that's amazing that Jesus tells them, because of this awful thing, torture on a cross, his death, their lives, their relationship with God will be restored, renewed, saved, so that their joy may be full. A joy so much more the world can offer. Jesus' joy transcends death. It's bigger than death. It's more powerful than death. Just in case you don't believe the gospel of John, and I hope you do, but just in case, 
to witnesses. How about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2? Tells us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus did not let the lack of pleasure, right, the pain, block him from passing through and enduring to get to joy. We need to not only receive the gift of Christ to have that joy, we need to follow that pattern. Realize that many times in life, we are going to have to pass through difficulty if we truly want to get to that deep joy. Because that's what Jesus did. And if we're following Jesus, we should expect the same thing. Even if, like Jesus, the path to that joy is through pain. Jesus' joy is stronger than death. I don't know. I need to hear that today. I need to hear that today. Because um, I had a mentor named John Ramirez uh, die of COVID-19 complications a couple days ago. But he has full joy right now. Because Jesus' joy transcends that he is in the presence of God, that his eternal relationship with God had been restored through Christ. And he lived it. He shared that. And so when we're in sorrow, especially in a pandemic like this, and there's so many people we know that are sick or dying, we need to know that Jesus' joy transcends death. And that even when we walk through, and I mentioned this last week, through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear, and there's joy on the other side, because who's on the other side? God himself. And that's why Jesus, he went through the cross. He showed that the kind of joy he offers is more powerful than death. So how do we respond today? How do you respond if you're watching this online? First and foremost, receive the good news of great joy. It's for all people. It's for you. It is for you and I. That is good news of great joy. We all need to be reconciled to God. And it's a gift that we, we receive. That's why it's called a gift. We simply receive the gift and say, thank you. Yes, God, I need a Savior. I need whatever you have to give me. I don't know about you, but um, on our front door every day there's packages. Right? I mean, it's always that case in around Christmas time, but especially with the pandemic, like you look outside, oh, another delivery from Amazon, another delivery, and there's all sorts of packages just piling up. I don't know about you, but that's for us, right? We constantly look outside. But there's certain packages. The really valuable ones, they don't just leave it there. Right? Our kids bought us a really expensive Christmas present, right? And they're like, all right, you know, we, we want to make sure to get the delivery, but we actually have to sign for it. Why? Well, because it was very valuable. So too, you know, Jesus, he is the most valuable Christmas present. No, you don't have to sign your name, but you do have to make a intentional acceptance of this gift. And so if you've never done that today, this Christmas season, say, yes, Jesus, I receive you. 
I need a savior. I receive the good news I, as I receive you that I'm reconciled to God. And maybe you're here or, or watching online and you want to believe. You want to know that's true, but you've got some intellectual hangups. If that's so, just email me, right? Contact me. We can work through these intellectual difficulties. But from my experience as a pastor over 20 years, usually it's not the intellectual things. It's our will, right? We don't necessarily want to sign our name off because that means our life will change. We know the kind of meaning that is connected to this Christ child so much that it will transform our lives. A baby changes everything, right? And that baby in the manger will change us. But that deep joy, often, um, that deep joy is worth it. It's worth signing your name. And then I think the other thing we get from this passage is, again, don't settle for pleasure instead of holding out for joy. Don't let the lack of pleasure block you from pressing through pain to joy. Again, that's the example we see from Christ. He pressed on through the cross for the joy set before him. That's what we see with Mary. She gave, she had a childbirth, but then she's running around to Egypt and stuff. Her life's in danger because of this Christ child, and yet she pressed on through that. And there's something that you too will need to press on, not just in your faith, but in your life. But now apart from this world, excuse me, apart from God, this world, it only has ple fleeting pleasure, not joy. It's all random. It's all, again, without meaning. And that's why in our society there tends to be a fatalism, a resignation. That true joy is unattainable. And so we settle instead of pressing on to joy. And so what do I mean by that? What does it look like to press on to joy? Well, if joy is found in this Christ, then you need to press on in relationship to him. So that's the first thing. When it means, what do I press on to joy? That means press into your relationship with Christ. How do you do that? Well, by talking to him, right? Prayer. Prayer is developing your relationship with God. Reading his word. This is God's, the Bible is God's love letter to you. You want to know him more? You want to relate to him better? Read his word and pray to him and, and do what we're doing now. Gather together as God's going to speak through different people at different times and draw us closer to himself. So pressing on to joy means pressing on to know God better. doesn't mean pressing on to do more religious things. It means pressing on to know God. But it also means sometimes pressing past pleasure. Making those difficult choices to stay on God's path, even if it means difficulty. Even if it means I'm going to walk right past pleasure because I'm going after joy in the Lord. So examples. You know, revenge can make you have that feeling of pleasure. Ah, I feel a little bit better. I got revenge. That's not the path of God. So oftentimes we need to press past revenge to get to the joy of forgiveness. Maybe that's someone here today they need that, that you've been dabbling in it. Ah, revenge. No, press on to forgiveness, and you'll find joy in that, even if it's difficult. Or 
a, a chemical high, whether it's drinking or drugs, where it's like, all right, I, I, I want to be close with God, but I've got pain, I've got trauma and abuse, and so I just want to dull the pain. Well, press on past that to healing, true joy and healing. But oftentimes you've got to press past the addiction or that reliance. Or maybe there's some who are having marriage difficulties. And, and you've got to press past that difficulty to get that joy of a deeper trust and a deeper intimacy. But it comes through that difficulty. These are all examples of making the hard choices that I know that true joy is found in God, so I'm going to make these choices to press past these things to get to the real deal. And that's what Jesus did. But it requires, again, pushing past our pleasures, pushing past ourselves, and pushing on to the eternal, onto relationships, onto the meaning beyond ourselves and our pleasures. So receive the good news of great joy. Receive the good news of great joy. Even if now in your mind, if you've never done that, act as if you're going to your door and God is there and saying, yes, I'm signing my name because I know I need the Savior. This is good news of great joy. Like the shepherds are rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. And then rejoice. Rejoice that your relationship with God has been restored, not based on what you do, but based on what he has done. And then press on to make the joy of Christ, the joy of the presence of the Lord, a reality in your life. Which means, some, yes, you'll have great joy, you'll, you'll have pleasure, you'll have happiness, but then also it won't be based on your circumstances. It will be based on the fact that you're walking more and more in the presence of the Lord. And it's a gift that you have because God gave himself on Christmas. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that you would work in us and through us, work among us, Lord. Draw us close to you. And I ask, Lord, if there's any who are receiving the good news of great joy for the first time, Lord, they'd tell somebody, just like the shepherds did. They put it in the comment section if they're online. They'd, they'd, they'd tell somebody so we can rejoice together with the angels. But, Lord, I also pray you'd give us that wherewithal to press on to press on through the difficulties, whatever difficulty we're going through, knowing that on the other side, if we're following you, there's going to be joy in that, and there's going to be deep meaning in that. Thank you, God, for giving us eternity. Thank you for giving us yourself and save, giving us the Savior we so desperately need. Lord, we rejoice in that. We press on towards that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.